What's up, everybody? I'm Josh. That's Will. How's it going? Thanks for coming out. We are a, a collectively uh, a podcast slash merch slash event company called Wants Worldwide. It stands for We Are Not The Same. He came up with the concept, super drunk, called me like mid-June maybe. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yo, like I have this idea, da, da, da. And he basically just had the acronym down. And I was like, damn, that sounds tight. And before that, we had been homies. Obviously, we first met. Um, he was doing Stussy. Uh, sell, he was a sales rep West Coast for Stussy, and I was doing the hundreds at the time. So we'd go on like sales trips, you know, like up the coast and go to, like all the boutiques that sold the brands together. And uh, we always thought of ideas and concepts like a, to do like a duo project. So basically, every three months, I would just call him drunk as shit and be <laughs> like, yo, I have a great idea. Like, Let's do this. And finally, one stuck, and we started to actually execute it and roll it out. And like six to seven months later, we're here. Yeah, so this is going to be episode nine um, inside of P's and Q's. Obviously, we made some collaborative items, and uh, we reached out to them. One, because the store is really cool. Um, two, we kind of wanted to obviously get out of our element out of you know Los Angeles or West Coast in general. Um, and... Uh, some alcohol brought us together at the last agenda show and we kind of had a conversation about doing this and then it kind of obviously you know took a few months to get rolling their schedule our schedule is kind of aligned finally and now we're here fortunately yeah. um tell me about yourself um my name is will nichols i'm 27 years old i am a photographer uh i'm in the music industry i manage an artist named global dan who's like on the come up right now and just like overall creative that just comes up with pointless projects and just tries to execute them for no reason <laughs> honestly uh i'm joshua vitas i'm 28 uh father of two i live in a beautiful city called rancho cucamonga which is actually uh the next friday part two movie where it's based in that's the only thing i think about when you say rancho cucamonga yeah. <laughs> <at the same time. laughs> uh it's about an hour east of la um my foot in the door was a brand called classic um, CLSC, which is still going, but I sold my equity last year and then kind of focused on side projects like this. Um, and as of recent, kind of dove into a weird street art world, which is a lot of fun. Um, I put a cone on someone's head yesterday. Yeah, do you even know whose head that was? No. That's fine. <laughs> Some all white guy. Um, and yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's who we are. Um, we are going to un interview three individuals from Philadelphia that are obviously worthy of P's and Q's to, to bring to the table. Um, two are street artists. The other one is a brand. Uh, and sorry, I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. First guest, uh, Crival. <laughs> Let's go. What's up? Thank you. Take a seat, please. So what we usually try to do is uh, allow others to understand what your story is um, prior to the moment you sat in the seat. You know, so we'd like to start from the beginning. Like, where were you born and raised? First off, Fire Kicks. I love that <laughs> shit. Those are the classics. Top five favorite show of all time. Appreciate it, man. Um, um, I was actually born in New York, raised in uh. North Atlanta, nice. um, and I got to Philly. My main hustle is soccer. I play. Uh, I play for the union here, and 
that's kind of been my journey. That's what I've crafted throughout my whole life. You what know, position um, are you? Center mid. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of brought me to where I am now. I've been on team, you know. Uh, I started in Houston, moved to Toronto. Got it. And now ended up here. This all st- what soccer probably started, like, maybe high school, middle school? Um, Before? Yeah, yeah, probably before that. Um, I mean, I've been playing since I was four. Nice. Um. Was it, like, your parents type of thing? Like, hey, you should play soccer? Or, like, you were just, like, playing around and, like, oh, let's put this kid in soccer? Yeah, for the most part. Because, I mean, when you're four, you don't really – you don't have any say-so on things, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm get out there, you know. So, I mean, my parents are both Caribbean, and that's what they knew. Dope. And that's what they signed me up for. Nice. That's what's up. So, you play soccer. You're moving around. You said Houston. You know, right. what was like, what was high school like for you? Um, high school uh, was in Atlanta. Um it was a good experience. I mean, I was still playing then, um, just very much focused on, you know, normal high school shit, yeah. you know, like, you know, getting girls, playing soccer, yep. you know, yeah. like going to parties if I can, if my mom will have it. But, yeah. I mean, it was just a really, you know, kind of regular upbringing. Were you already into, like, like what were you wearing? Um, High school, man. In Atlanta, man, it was... What year it was date uh, it. Let's date it. What year is this? <laughs> I graduated in 08. So, okay, so, nice. so 07. 2004 yeah. to, to, you know, 08. So, I mean, back then it was it was white tees. It yeah. was filas. It was <laughs> jabos. Yeah, fitteds, you know, maybe a headband underneath mm-hmm. if you sweet. But, yeah, man, I mean, so it like was. Like bag of jeans. Yeah, yeah. It was, well, probably for the first half of high school. Yeah. yeah then it sure. kind of started yeah, tailoring shifted. down. You started, it's uh, not really my the style. Mm-hmm. crazy. Polos started yep. to pop, you know. Um, so yeah, that's what high school looked like. I'm sure it was the same. Is a lot that of when like uh, like the fashion idea kind of sparked in your mind? Like, ah, oh, this might be a thing, or was it just like I just want to look fresh? Um, yeah, for the most part, I just wanted to be fresh. I think uh, in those latter years in high school, when we were able to like start exploring the city and yeah. start making moves, you know. Um, I remember I went to Wish for the first time in Atlanta. Shout out to Wish. And uh, I was story. like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> like, <laughs> some dope stuff. Like, I fuck with this. What so was, like, one of the items that, like, really stuck out um, at Wish that you were just like, oh, no, like, this is ha- this has to happen. I'm going to make this happen. They d- they had some Nike stuff that I had never seen. Like, their their account in Nike, yeah, you know, was, sure. uh, was a lot higher than, you know, what you're getting at the mall. Yeah. You know, so that's when I was like, I, I, I like this culture, you know. Yeah. I like this, you know, subculture. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know, it's definitely more elevated than like the n- the normal. Yeah, normal absolutely, for sure. What was uh, what was your first job? Um, finish line. Um, I worked. <laughs> 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 I worked at finish line throughout uh, through a lot of high school and a little bit of college. Yeah, yeah. What so was you your first job? Starbucks. Oh what? <laughs> Fire! Mine was in and out. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, fire. Yeah. Shout out to In and Out if you're watching this. Yeah. Like the sponsorship, please. <laughs> sponsorship plug. Let's go. Uh, so you graduate high school. You said you went to college. Yeah. Was um, there what, like, you graduate high school and then it's like I'm gonna go to college and do this, or was it kind of like, uh, you know, like, or was the soccer thing already cracking? Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, that was mostly my focus. I was like, uh, I need to get this scholarship. And, you know, I need to get on a path where I can, you know, go pro. Yeah. So um, ended up getting a scholarship to a private school in South Carolina Dope. called Furman. Dope. And ended up transferring to UCF and ended up getting drafted out of What's there. What's UCF? Florida? Central Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, again, a pretty, you know, off the field kind of normal, you know, uh, 
college career, um, you know, started getting into more stuff, you know, the internet, you got loads of time, so you start exploring. And Instagram starts happening. Yeah. Oh, was Instagram happening? Yeah, probably towards the end of college. Uh, yeah, I want to say mm-hmm. college for sure, because high school, it was like MySpace still mm-hmm. and like Facebook. Facebook. Right, yeah. right, right. And um, at that time, it's like you're, you're getting, I was getting these like RSS feeds from, you know, Nice Kicks or something like, you know, every time they drop something. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, like I'm starting to follow this stuff a lot more. At what point did you start to transition from like a sports, like sports focus to more like fashion focused? Or is it still pretty balanced for the most part? Um, It's pretty balanced. I mean, I think my appreciation for for style just grew. Um, I don't know. I don't even know now that I'm, you know, so entrenched in a fashion world. Yeah. Um, I think my appreciation for style just grew. And uh, I think it was probably when I uh, got to Houston. Yeah. um, And I started hanging out at the local uh, boutique there called The Classroom. And... uh, you know, I was just in there, you know, every week, you know, yeah. just hanging out with those guys. You know, we became real good homies, and uh, and I was just around that every day. So my taste started to evolve, you know, what I like started to evolve, and from there I just kind of started, you know, having a different, I guess, vision for what I see myself as. When did you start your brand, and what's, like, the concept behind it? Um... It started probably in 2014. Um, when did you graduate college? Uh, well, I left school and you dropped out. Loki, shout out to the dropouts. <laughs> <laughs> I finished though. I finished though. Um, I left school at the end of 2011. Okay, so there's like a three-year gap. What's mm-hmm. happening in the three-year gap from college to starting the brand? Um, I got drafted. Um, so Sorry. during that time. <laughs> during that time um i was just kind of you know figuring out this this you know professional life you know like what it what it traveling playing soccer yeah you know just really trying to earn my spot on the team um you know you get there is one thing but you know trying to stay there is another thing so that, that was my main focus um in 2014 my cousin and i um we were at some underground show in Atlanta, like during a break of mine, and we uh, we saw this cat wearing a, I think Nip, it might be Nipsey Hussle's shirt, the Crenshaw shirt. Crenshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were like, damn, that kind of looks like a last name. He's got the same last name as me, Stephen Craval. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, yo, we should put Craval on that <laughs> <laughs> with the Crenshaw. Oh, logo. it's your last yeah. name. Yeah. Fire. Yeah, yeah. So um, we ended up doing that. And just like on some uh, champion raglan tees, and we were like, "Hey, we should give them out to the fam." Yeah, yeah. And then, um, like everybody was filling them, and then uh, my cousin was like, "Man, like we should, you know, run with it a little bit." And I was like, "I don't really want to be a parody brand, you know." Yeah. Um, and from that, like we just kind of started playing with uh, different ideas and logos, and ended up coming up with our um, logo type and the brand kind of started at that point yeah and you obviously took in everything you had all the awareness and all the knowledge that you gained from your surroundings and everything before to obviously build the brand to where it is now and the concept behind it and the aesthetic behind it obviously yeah absolutely yeah that's dope i fuck with that how's it been what is it like share with everyone i I used to own a brand as well Mm -hmm. share with everyone like the reality of putting yourself out there taking money out of your pocket 
you know, not knowing what's going to come back. Like you said, you don't do uh, wholesale, correct? No. I have no so it's wholesale. like, what, what are the trials and tribulations, I guess, of trying to technically like win over the internet and like get yourself out there? Man, it's a, uh, it's a tough game, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's not at all what you think it is getting into it, especially, um, it's neither one of our, you know, full-time jobs. Right? Yeah. So we go, we clock in and, you know, with our extra time, like this is what I'm focused on. This is what it's focused on, you know, trying to make it happen. So with that, um, time is limited yeah. also. And then on top of that, it's like, it's just not cheap. So <laughs> if you, if, especially if you're doing like, that jacket you're wearing ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cheap. And, and, you know, and where I grew up, you know, it's funny, like, it's a very fast, like, fashion kind of yeah. um, mindset where it's like, all right, yeah, I'll go cop this, you know, yeah. $13 tee from H&M, you know, like, for what you're asking for yourself, like, I'm not buying that. Yeah. I'm going to Zara, whatever, whatever, yeah. you know. So um, I think that that part is, you know, kind of, you know, tough to deal with, it's like, yeah, you're, you're competing with monsters, basically. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so that part, you know, coming in to find out, like, that that's kind of a bitch. But yeah. aside from that, you know, it's been fun. Everything we've done has been very, you know, small run, low-key um, pop-up shops. Yeah. So that's where we do most of our uh, damage in pop-up shops, right? Um, and where, uh, where have you done some? And are you, like, partnering with stores that already exist? Or even like finding a space and kind of like renting it out. Like, how are you going about that? So we've done both actually. Um, our first one was at a a shop in Atlanta called uh, it was called Curated at the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Um, and that was our first ever pop up shop. It was just like, just really like standard like merch, just blank tees, and you know, kind of like a party as well. How did it work with that initial conversation? Like. Are you hitting them up and like, yo, curated, we wanted, you know, like, I, I guess my whole thing is for people listening to understand, like, if they would want to do a pop-up mm -hmm. shop, what's like step one, it. step yeah. two, step three to like final product? Um, that one in particular was kind of, it was kind of interesting, right? Um, my, one of my best friends that I grew up with in Atlanta, um, we both played soccer together and we, uh, we were driving on Peter Street and we came across, you know, their storefront yeah. and, uh. It's like, yo, like this, this would probably be a perfect place to do this pop up. And uh, we just walked in and started talking to the guys that were in there. And uh, it turned out like they were soccer players as well. Tight. Oh, crazy. And they were, they were looking at us because uh, we were talking about soccer and they were like, oh, y'all play soccer? Like looking at us all crazy, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, soccer snobs, you know, like, oh, yeah, okay, you're good, right? And, uh, like oh like you really play i was like yeah uh i think at the time i was playing for uh toronto okay and it was like oh okay okay my bad my bad <laughs> my bad um but it was kind of a really organic relationship from that yeah you know we had a lot of common ground knew a lot of the same people within you know that world yeah and that was kind of our first uh like foot in the door i guess Okay. So soccer brought you like tight. two worlds like <laughs> yeah. combined. I should start playing soccer. Right. Yeah, <laughs> man. That's tight. Absolutely. Dope. So um, you've done a few, you said, right? Right. Um, any other retailers that you maybe like partnered with? Um, retailers? No, we've done uh, we've done two in uh, gallery spaces. Dope. One in Philly, one in Toronto. How are you finding these spaces? Um, 
the one that we did here, it's uh, it was literally across the street from my uh, my apartment. So just I mobbed just, up. I just walked up and I was That's like, hella convenient. That's fine. I was like, <laughs> all right, let me get the info, do my Googles, and do the call. Know. Hey, what up? Yeah, exactly. And they were really cool. And um, you know, uh, the one in Toronto, it was that one was kind of more of a mission. It was like, all right, get on the website. Uh, get on the internet, look for these different event venues, yeah. look for, you know, something that'll be suitable for what we're, you know, trying to do, and, yeah, exactly, and uh, kind of go from there. Nice. Do you have anything else coming up soon that is, like, on the wor- in the works or in, in progress? Yeah, um, we're actually working on our uh, a capsule that we're looking to release, actually, with these guys here. Fine. Sick. And, um, you know, that'll be our first retailer, you know, pop up in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, so just looking forward to kind of, you know, growing with this community and getting more interested in this community, you know, so. So what's uh, what's going on in your life now? Like, are you still playing soccer? Like, yeah, um, got a game tomorrow. Right. <laughs> 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 what um, team are you on? <laughs> uh, Union, Philly Union, yeah. Um, and we play out in Chester. It's like uh, 30 minutes Um south in a sense is this like your job kind of like this you, is my job. you get paid this is, this is to play? what pays the bills so tight yeah, yeah. That's pretty this is tight. this is what funds Craval. i rare i rarely meet athletes that are like getting paid to play and it's just it blows my mind every time i, I played sports my whole life and like obviously i sucked because i'm not getting paid to play but <laughs> it's exactly. when you meet so it's like you're you're a fucking athlete you know what i'm saying like someone's deciding to pay you it's mind-blowing you know like it's it's just I, I I got mad respect for anyone who gets <laughs> paid agree. to play yeah. a sport, you know? Like it's crazy. Straight yeah. up. That's amazing. No doubt. I mean it's it's uh I think in a way it's similar like to you know, I look at, you know, my peers here, you know, and you know, it's work that they've kinda crafted, you yeah. know, over time and I kinda look at it in the same light. Um, so it's very similar to me. Dope. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for coming on and fucking with us and checking in and everything, man. Your story is really Yeah, that was great. Thank you very much. Everyone, uh, follow Creval. Thanks. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Up next, uh, Philadelphia local street artist, Joe Boruchow. Sorry if I said it wrong. What up? How are you? Welcome, welcome. So we kind of lurked everyone's Instagrams, obviously, before we got here. Uh, Joe's Joe's crushing it, man. You're doing some dope shit. <laughs> it's uh, I got uh, again. I'm sorry, I kind of jumped the gun. Um, I like what you're doing now. Obviously, we'll get to it. Um, let's uh, let's start off. Where where were you born and raised? I was born right outside of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia, um, in 1975. And um, grew up there, went to college in Ohio for a year and a half. Um, what, co- what college? Uh, Kenyon College. Okay. Dropped out there, went to UVA. For Another dropout, hell yeah. A semester, and then <laughs> dropped out permanently. Hell yeah. Moved to Philly about 21 years ago. Okay. And I've been here ever since. What, uh, what are the er- what's going on in your early life? Like, you move, like... Uh, are you already are you doing like art stuff for you know are you playing sports what are you into i was never very um coordinated for athletics but i've always been into art i've been into art since i was a little kid my dad collected art um so he was born in he grew up in brooklyn 
and would take all his kids up to New York and go to the galleries yeah. and stuff. Nice. Because we grew up like once a year, he'd take us each. That's tight. So do, you, do you like remember anything specific from back in those days that kind of sparked something? Or inspired or? You. It yeah. still inspires you now, I guess. Absolutely. Um, when I was 12 years old, we went up. I was really into Keith Haring. So he took me to Shout Keith, out to Keith Haring's uh, gallery, Coney Shifrazi Gallery. And we asked the receptionist whether Keith was there. And then she said, no, but he'll be here in 10 minutes if you guys want to wait and meet him. <laughs> so I got to meet Keith Haring, and he took us up to his studio and Fun. What? showered me with gifts. It was no amazing. Way. Do you still have these yeah. gifts? I have a lot of them. Yeah. And if so, how much are they? <laughs> <laughs> They're not for sale. Hell no. <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's going to be Keith Haring. No, that, yeah. What was it? I mean, do you remember meeting Keith Haring? Like, what was that yeah. like? It was amazing. I've never met somebody that was so warm and gracious to children. I mean, that was a child. Yeah. And the way that he honored my my um, fandom was yeah. was so incredible. And I'll it was. A lesson I'll never forget. Yeah, that's Th probably cemented in your head, huh? This like is that's, so. That's this is like the '80s now, correct? '88. Holy shit, that's so tight. Um, obviously that happens. You're you said 12. I was 12 years old. Yeah. You're already doodling, drawing around the house. Yep. Um, uh, since I was nine, I really started uh, drawing a lot. Did you understand how big of a deal that was then, or did it take like a few years? Cause twelve year old, you kind of you kind of already know what's kind of going. I mean, I, mean, I understood because I knew of Keith Haring through like the pop culture, so I knew it was it was kind of a big deal. But it wasn't like I had a lot of peers that shared the same interest. Interest, yeah. yeah. And the internet wasn't around, so it was no, like people no weren't internet. exposed to that. You had to be literally like your father was taking you to these galleries, exactly. and like so your parents or whoever you were hanging out with had to like actively be interested in those yes, things. And with true. the internet, you couldn't connect with another community. That's also interesting. It was like you're like a one man band type yeah. thing. And there were people that were interested in it, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like I met Michael Jordan or yeah. But I was still thrilled, you know. I remember I took uh, his um, free South Africa image. I don't know if you guys ever seen that, but it's like a big black figure stepping on a smaller wa white figure that's like holding his lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I started and. Uh, I photocopied them and put them around the school where I was at, you know, because this was during the big, like, right. um, boycotts of apartheid and stuff like that. And that was a really formative experience for me because even though I'm making my own work, obviously yeah, yeah. now I'm still kind of follow the same, the same uh, steps. Was yeah. that the first time you displayed like your creativity and your artwork publicly? Well, that wasn't my work, so yeah, it was it you was copied really it, but like. Was that the first time, I guess? Let me rephrase the question. You did some illegal shit. It wasn't, I guess, I don't know whether it was illegal. Yeah, I, I was definitely, uh, I went to a very liberal high school. And yeah. They were, they were very supportive of it. So, But it was my own initiative. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's what I was trying to and say. And, you know, they let me use their photocopy machine. Photocopy, oh, cool. Photocopy machines were a lot, um, a lot more expensive to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Did you ever like dabble into like graffiti, like spray art, or was it more so like? For a minute as a teenager. But what was your name? Well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, it's embarrassing. But it wasn't. What was yours, Josh? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I had a few. I don't really. I'll, 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 you know, I'm, I have no shame anymore. Uh, Gringo sleaze. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's it. I think I've seen that actually. Oh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Gringo Sleep. You wrote the whole thing. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. No, I had a few. I what mean, were they? The first one was Rush. The second one was Anom. And the last one. Uh oh no, Anom was the last one. That was it. Rush and Anom. Yeah. Arlington Street by banging crew. Bombing <laughs> crew. Let's go. <laughs> um so <laughs> so the uh the spray can thing you kind of tried it wasn't really your thing and then it was like okay what is my thing and what was that you know well i did um continue with the aerosols but with uh stencils cool and i did a lot of posters for a rock band i got really into playing music i actually was playing picking up playing music around 12 years old and i play guitar dope um so i started a band when i moved to philly called the nightlights and, that's um, a dying that's name. A name. I was doing a lot of um, stenciled posters to promote the band, and that's kind of how I got into doing the paper cutouts. What year is this yeah. now? Um, Mid nineties, maybe. No, it was early two thousands. Okay. Actually, yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. So, what's happening in the nineties for you? Nineties. Um, I don't remember much of the nineties because I was working in bars and got it, drinking a lot and. Um, Shout out to drinking. What else? I was wandering around Philly, going to Tattoo Moms, which is up the street. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun. There you go. Cool. <laughs> Charge it to the game. <laughs> Skip um, to the 2000s. I, I, was, Just like I, that. I, I fancied myself as an abstract expressionist painter as well at the time. That's tight. I was painting still, um, using a lot of different materials. I had like a little uh, studio space outside of my house. That's how I learned that I couldn't have a studio that was outside of my house. Yeah. I didn't go to it as much as I should have. And, um, yeah. And then the Bush years started, and I got more interested in doing political work. Yeah. And, um, with, like, making political commentary through the band and my posters. Cool. That was cool. You, you like, were able to express your thoughts, like, through different verticals, like, through, like, music and through, like, just, mm -hmm. like, art, traditional art. Yeah, it's definitely good to have different outlets um, get hung up in your head on one. It kind of doesn't serve the craft if you just kind of over-concentrate on one thing. Yeah. Times, I think. So looking at your work now, the majority of it's black and white. When does your, your art pivot to that? So that was a utilitarian um, move. Because when I was doing the stencils, or the, I was do, like spray painting stencil uh, posters for the nightlights, I got the better I got at making the stencils, the less times I could actually make impressions. Yeah. Because they would fall apart yeah. under the uh, with the with the spray can, with, or they would gather so much spray paint that it wouldn't go through. What was it? Cardboard, maybe. Um, I was doing paper because the cardboard was too hard to cut, so I was still yeah. doing paper. Um, sometimes I'd cut multiple stencils so of the same thing yeah. so I could get more impressions of it. But I wasn't getting the number of posters that I wanted to get or the labor in involved to make the number of posters I wanted to get was was uh, just becoming ridiculous. Yeah. And I was more interested in making these more intricate stencils. Um, so I figured out that, well, I had came up with the plan to just make cut a piece of black paper slap a piece of white paper behind it and take it to the uh, Office Depot, which was right near my studio at the time, and just run off like a hundred copies yeah. for very little, yeah. little yeah. amount. And I just would plaster them all over Philly. I'd get on my bike and just go everywhere. We pacing. Every time. No, this, at this time I was just um, stapling the poles, just like oh putting shit. them up in 
um, coffee shops, wherever you'd like uh, advertise like band performances. Were other people doing like something similar at the time? Because it was kind of like earlier on. So there wasn't a lot of like really handmade posters back then. I, I can't. I can remember a few, but not many that stuck around. Like bands that stuck around for long. But there were a few. Um, I guess a lot of, uh, not many where the members of the bands were like making like yeah. the art, yeah. you know, um, so that it wouldn't have like the same aesthetic every time a poster hit. You'd know just by the way it looked who it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, they'd have a different art director yeah. for every project. Yeah. From what it sounds like, um, you're basically implementing street art before like the street art boom. What like what happened when that happened? You know, when like that the Banksy started, started the popping Banksy up. Movie. I mean, it really did. Yeah. It was like overnight. The exit the gift shop one? Yeah. Or, yeah. It was like overnight with that thing. What was that, like 2012? Earlier, I think. Eight? A little bit. Yeah, probably mm. like between, I don't know, probably like 10. Who's got Google? Can someone check? <laughs> I'm actually interested now. But what happens, you know, because like it wasn't, I mean, it was happening more so for me as a youngin watching through graffiti, you know, and like being on the West Coast, it was a lot of like seventh letter artists, so like watching Saber, Revoke, and all these guys like doing... 20 foot pieces it wasn't until like the banksy shit where i was like oh wow people are doing like wheat paste mm -hmm. stencil work you know like you were there to obviously witness that like what was you know you're in that scene where has it yeah, it was kind of it was i kind of felt like my turf was kind of getting uh exposed <laughs> <impeded> <laughs> yeah. on like a lot of people were suddenly interested in doing it i had people reaching out to me and like asking me for tips on how to do it <laughs> so and i was kind of probably more um, reserved than I should have been back then uh, because I felt like a lot of the people when I reached out to them were not about giving me They're tips. like culture yeah. vultures. Yeah. Like so people I was kind of like, uh. But, um, you know, it, it was cool. I definitely, I think a lot of people were more interested in what I was doing because of it. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like it influenced my work so much because I really Got was it. influenced by the 80s uh, street art um, scene, even though it ended up being with printed on and wheat paste, um, that's where I my my heart really uh, was. Well, know? I guess what I'm saying is, once that obviously popped off, did it kind of like motivate you to like get out more and like do more, or was it kind of like fuck that? I'm just gonna keep doing my own shit. Only in that it was more. I was kind of competitive with yeah all these young bucks coming out. Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm gonna be up more places. Yeah, and have higher quality work and did you have like a logo or something specific handmade. no i always thought my uh that my style and my aesthetic was my got it like that's that's your branding yeah, yeah. everyone knows that's dope. just by looking at my work that it's my work you know i've said that more powerful than someone putting yeah. their their uh handle on it you know what i mean yeah I'm really down with that so obviously we spoke a little bit briefly before we actually started this and you're saying now you're obviously like getting commission and doing shit like legally like when does that start happening um i'd say in a big way with um the philadelphia mural arts program yeah. they uh, my work had been out there and i'd actually also built up a big uh email list where i was sending out a lot of emails like every time i had a new piece i'd Smart. send out an email and some sort of not necessarily an explanation of it but you know, I try to think of something pithy and telling the story to say, you yeah. know, about the new commentary on the new piece. And um, and where we were, you I was sending those to to people at Mural Arts and got it to um, <coughs> the, uh, the right people. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, I was like, you know, the they, back when they had built like weeklies newspapers, I would send it to the, all the editors at the weekly newspapers. Yeah. So I kind of built a following with that that way. I found, and they knew of my work, and um, a guy that I know bought a house and wanted a mural on the side of his house, and uh, talked to them about it and requested my work for Tight. it. And um, so then I did a this big mural. It was my first large-scale painted mural. When was this? Um, I think it was 2008, okay. I want to say. What was it of? It's an abstract piece, but grabs um, imagery from architecture in the neighborhood and um, themes from in the neighborhood, a lot of, like, lost architecture from the neighborhood. Um, it's called Watchtowers. It's on uh, Dickinson between 9th and 10th across from post office row. do you label every piece that you do like uh, a is title? it a, yeah yes interesting always that's tight yeah that's pretty important actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's sick so uh what's going on now are you a full-time artist like what, what you know uh, what's right your day-to-day -day, you know I'm more of a full-time dad and part-time artist shout out to dads old, and my wife works a nine to five so i've kind of have been um doing the, like the primary child care during the yeah. week and limiting the amount of work that I do in the studio a little bit um, temporarily. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm still doing work. I feel pretty booked up through the summer. Yeah, I'm a, a that's great. project with uh, Philadelphia Public Schools um, doing a mural on 10th Street just below Spring Garden where um, they're helping me I just did a wheat paste project with them last semester mm -hmm. where they all made their own paper cutout. And then um, this semester, uh, we're painting a mural that I designed. Got it. Now that you have children, because I have children too, does it change the way, or do you still do, like, illegal shit? Like the approach? Yeah. No. I mean, um, not having – my car got totaled a couple months ago. Yeah. So that, that kind of uh, shut me down for a little while. So I'm getting a new car in a few weeks. So, uh, new truck or minivan. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so that shut me down because I, I would, that was my tool. You yeah, know? you go around. Uh, pull yeah. Pull around, like park strategically and um, Tight. keep, I had all my gear in there. And, uh, but, you know, the, now the weather's warm. I got, I got work to put up. There you go. The I'll weather's warm. Hell yeah. Not as much as last year, but I'll be out there. What's next? What do you got next? So other than that mural, um, I'm doing a um, a ketubah, which is a Jewish wedding certificate for a uh, couple that's a friend of mine. So that's going to take me into the summer. And then after that, we'll see. We'll see. The good thing about being an artist is, like, I feel like you just do your shit and then shit just pops up, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. you just need to continue to put the energy out there, you know? Just take it one day at a time. Things will fall into place. Yeah. Every piece that you do kind of is an advertisement for the next piece, you know. Straight up. That's a good way to put it. Well, yeah. shit, man. Yeah. Uh, that was tight. <laughs> you met Keith Haring. <laughs> and wait, hold on, hold on. What did he give you? Um, let's see. I have a bunch of books that he gave me where he would he signed them all, drew little pictures in them. Um, buttons, T-shirts. Um, I have a drawing. Um, and you have all this still. Oh, yeah. Drawings in a very prominent place in my house. <laughs> um, Under the bed. Just kidding. No, it's hung on the wall. It's framed. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, a lot of that stuff. That's huge, man. Calendar, just a ton of swag. Speaking of swag, I have some posters. I got some pins. Hell yeah. If anybody wants a poster, (laughs) please approach me. I'm happy to give you some stuff. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was was a great story. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your interest. That's it, man. Thanks for doing that, man. All right. Last but not least, Ishnitz, another s- street artist out of Philadelphia. Let's go. Woo! Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. What's up? How are you? I'm a little looser now. I got some alcohol on me. I'm going to put my foot nervous. up. Like I'm a little nervous. I haven't done something like this in a little while. So. After the first like five minutes, it's pretty yeah. smooth. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty smooth. Um, you do some super tight shit, and I'm curious how how. All right, I, I keep doing this. Yeah, you, you where were you born and raised? You get, <laughs> you get super excited. Where were you born and raised? Sorry. Yeah, um, listening to all these stories, I'm like, we'll see how this goes. But uh, I was born in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, so it's about 45 minutes. Lansdale, North Wales, uh, about 45 minutes outside of Philly. So yeah. you've been in uh, Pennsylvania your whole life, or did you move around? Uh, I grew up here, yeah. I moved around as an adult a little bit, but as a kid, yep, same house. My mom's chilling. Nice. I always envy that. Like, my family, like, always kind of just jumped around every couple years, but, like, we never had, like, an established place. I'm like, fuck, I always... It's respected. It's like Derek Jeter or, like, Kobe. Like, (laughs) they just... That's so funny because I hated it so much. I, like, desperately wanted to be the new kid somewhere really Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. 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 So what's it like growing up? What's going on in Pennsylvania at the time? I'm sure it was great for a lot of people, but a little bit different uh, for me. Single mom um, household and just a lot of craziness. Um, I have two older brothers, and I was just like, I've been really, uh, grew up in the 90s, and I've been like really into 90s music again lately. And like every song like reminds me of something crazy. Like my brother was really into like Marilyn Manson nice. and Nine Fire. Inch Nails. Fire. And I was just talking. I was telling my husband today. I was like, Yeah, I was just listening to a song, and I remember like being in elementary school, and, like it's singing, nostalgic. like just like singing, like I wanna fuck you like an animal, yeah, and like getting in trouble like in the cafeteria yeah. in like fifth grade, and like twelve years old, <laughs> getting in trouble and having Dude. legit like no idea why That's I'm in trouble yeah, yeah. at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, What did I do? I, was I remember like when Eminem first dropped off. This yeah. feels so provocative, bro. He's like, "Hi, kids. You want to stick nine-inch nails in between each one of your eyelids? Like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. Shit was so sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it was so nostalgic and so progressive. It was like, fuck. He was challenging. And you had no like, idea what was going on. Yeah, You're no like, idea. whatever. I'm in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, my you know my brother was uh had his own interests. So I had that to look up to, and um pretty good. Got me into some good music. Uh, middle school. I don't know. I was pretty dorky. Like I got bullied a lot, and um, uh, barked at. Like some kid. Like I don't know. He <laughs> he called me Rover one day, and it just stuck, I guess. And um, so that was pretty rough. <laughs> and then, um, when did you start getting into like art? Like when did you start realizing like, yo, like I'm gonna. Ne- s- it took a really long time. So I really enjoyed writing. Um, I never. It took me t- seriously like three years ago. I would have called myself Same an for artist. Me. Yeah. yeah. Like, um like a really long time so high school i was very angsty um so a little bit rocky childhood and i got like kicked out of high school um sent to like juvie what do you do uh nothing like the same thing <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> yo i love that <laughs> nothing fine. at all they just nothing. kicked me out just who knows 
know, like, my mom just, like, really, my mom should have been, like, a private investigator. I swear, this is, like, before I had a cell phone. This woman would find me, like, th- like three degrees removed from, like, where I should be. Like, how did you find me here? Like, yeah. how did you call this person to call this person to call this person to find me at this party? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> but she would find me, and so she was the one who, like, helped me uh, get arrested many yeah. times. Shout out <laughs> Mostly <her>. sneaking <laughs> out. Um, and, yeah, getting in trouble a little bit. So... Um, when I went to juvie, I it was a pretty transformative experience just for the fact that I was, like, one of the only white people there, which was, like, a first in my life, really. So it was a really good experience to have. How long did you go for? It was, like, f- five months. Fuck. That's a solid amount of time. It was kind of boot camp. It was weird. We lived in a squad bay. It was, like, a tent, like a heated army tent. I don't know. Um, and it was really strange, but... Wait, I how, how to okay, crochet. You, I learned how to crochet. That's <laughs> you, the story. That's where it starts. That's where it goes. Wait, so well, how old were you when you went to juvie? I was pretty old. I was 16. Like, all the girls there were, like, 13 or 14. So that's during high... So you go to juvie during high school. You go five months. Yeah, it was, like, the whole summer. That's wild. My 17th birthday. What happens when you get out? So I had been kicked out of high school before that, like, prior to that. And then I was in alternative school, and I was on probation. And I just... I guess I failed too many drug tests or something. So I can't remember at this point, but... Um, so I, then I got sent to juvie when I got back, when I was in there, I realized like we had schools, but I don't know if I yeah. could call it that. Yeah. I mean, these, the, the young women that I were with, I was with, um, 13, 14, 15 years old, like couldn't, didn't know what a fraction was or like some really basic shit that I was just like, holy shit. Like I need to take advantage of the resources that I have at home. Like, um, so that I can, and also a lot of the counselors that were there were just awful and I, I actually went to school to be a therapist eventually. Um, so I was really like that experience like had a big impact on me, like how I want, like how I want to take advantage of the yeah. resources that I have, just not fuck life. up. Like I was yeah. fucking up. Like I just yeah. wanted to like, I just had no care in the world. So I went back and like really started to care, got back into my high school, graduated and went off to college and then grad school. So what, uh, y- you graduate yeah, high for that. That's like a oh, big accomplishment. Yeah. That's like a jump. Yeah. It's not easy bouncing back like that. Yeah, so I learned how to crochet. So it was, like, really cool because um, it was really hard for me to talk to the young women there. Like, uh, you know, just communication barriers, like cultural barriers, I guess, really. It's just kind of um, the suburban girl there. And and I had a lot of implicit bias that I had no idea, and I really, like, got to check that. And it was really great. Um, but, like begged this young girl to teach me how to crochet I, like begged her I was like please like I have nothing to do I really want to learn how to do something and when finally she like was like all right I'm gonna sit this down this is in juvie yeah I'm gonna sit down I'm gonna teach you how to do this and I was like this is like the best way like this is like this is what we need like regardless of anything else like yeah. if we can crochet together and we can like make a project together then like we're working together yeah 100%. um so that was like a really cool experience that like I didn't really get at the time I was only like 16 but now that I'm older and I'm doing this as artwork uh, and I'm starting to understand that it's like this language you can use to communicate with others. Yeah, 100%. So. That's amazing. That's so you, you graduate high school. What happens after that? So I needed to get out of Lansdale immediately. Get out of the suburbs. Um, I was drowning in the suburbs. So I moved to Philly. I went to Temple University. Um, and I think Jimmy went there. Yeah. Maybe. It's a big school. Yeah was all hippied out shout out to temple in college um and then i didn't start i started like knitting a little bit um so i was this is really weird like blankets yeah like uh oh, were you already like hats and scarves okay and whatever. Got um so i started 
was a really weird uh, people in Philly might understand this, but I was a secret shopper for SEFTA, which is really weird. You probably didn't know that it existed, but I got this job um, that I rode the trains, the public transportation system. I rode the regional rail trains. Um, basically, you know, they go up to the burbs. And I just made sure that people were acting like not being super rude yeah. to the customers and stuff. But I got really sick, like reading. I kept like moving all the time on these trains so i started i picked Motion up crochet sickness. yeah so i started crocheting and knitting again um so that's how i picked it back up so i think i was in college and then i just kept that all through i got my master's and i just kept it kept that job all subtle that. flex so <laughs> what'd you get your master's I don't use in it, which is really crazy i don't use it wait wait what'd you, what'd you get your master's in clinical psychology holy shit yeah congratulations i wanted to be a therapist and then i did it and i was like this system is messed up yeah so um i still do it i work in like behavioral health but i do research um how long how long does that take how long were you in college for yeah, uh, <laughs> so I graduated high school in 04, and I think I was out of school and done probably in 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was fine. It was like, I got to, like, postpone adulthood, like, honestly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was in grad school, and, like, a lot of people talk about it being very difficult, but as a therapist, they just want you to, like, know who you are so you don't mess up your clients, so you do a lot of journaling. <laughs> like, that was, like, my assignment is, like, write a journal every day, so it was, it was yeah. It was I fine. literally recently gave myself that assignment he kind of inspired me with that like but it's like voice memos yeah because i hate like writing i'm trying to like put pen paper at least once a day yeah um but he hit me up the other day and he's like dude i do voice memos every like every oh. couple of days uh, every day and i'm like damn that's so fire so like nice. within the last two weeks i've been like I guess like it's easy. voice memos. Voice just talk yeah. phone. You already do it every day. Yeah, it's, it's like so four therapeutic. Of those, and they're from like 2013. What's cool is I'll go. This is totally side note. <laughs> I'll go back now and just like take one, and I'll be yeah. like, "Damn, that day sucks." Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. but then I'll remember. Be like, it's not that. Whatever. Life's yeah. not that crazy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, journals have to be dramatic. Like you're not having a good day, and you're like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna write my journal." Today. Yeah. It's always like. I'm so sad. Yeah, like, with sucks. the voice memos, I'm just I go in raw. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm like, just talking about today. my future self. Fuck yeah. that dude, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Chris. Um, <laughs> Chris, fuck I don't know. Yeah, wherever you are, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you graduate college, you get a master's. Crazy. Yeah. So okay. So then I got my first real job, but by that I had started like um okay. So yarn bombing is called um just from spray painting to mm -hmm. bombing. Yeah. Um and it was adopted from that and they do it all over the world mm -hmm. so not many people know what it is in philly people are probably familiar with it at this point um but i saw i saw it online i was knitting and doing crochet and i saw it online and i was like yeah but what if it rains like that's just yeah. gonna fall down like i don't know but i kept seeing it over and over again and i was like all right wait a minute like you can wash like some of your sweaters and dry it and it's okay and i was like and they must be like it must work because they keep doing it so um i tried it one day and it was so fun like it was so what was the first piece yeah and where it was so small it was really small i covered like a portion of a bike rack now so scared i had like your adrenaline was on <laughs> the roof huh? so there's a book called yarn bombing I, I don't know they probably made it in like 2009 2010 um and they gave you like all these excuses like you know if somebody approaches you they actually true step to form <laughs> knitting culture they had a, pa a crochet pattern so you could crochet yourself a mask <laughs> That's fire. in the book and like That's uh so like crochet yourself a little mask and like go out yarn bombing and then like talk about how 
you're in art school and this is your thesis, like whatever, you know, Whoa, had all these excuses. So I was really prepared and like nobody gave a shit at all. Nobody was looking at me. Nobody but you cared. gave a shit, right? Like that was your no, thing. No, I'm saying oh, like, like nobody approached else, yeah, me. Yeah, 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 it was smooth. You know, like it was, yes. the, it was smooth. Like yeah. the process of actually doing it. Then I was just like trying to be all cool. I was like, I'm going to walk away right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stand back and watch. I'm, I'm walking away, everybody. But like I did it. <laughs> Exactly, but like I really didn't. I like stood back and I was like, nobody sees it. You Did know? you go like during the day? Like, yeah, I was in the middle it? of the day. I was doing my septa job. Yeah, doing oh, uh, doing the uh, train riding. So. so you do it, and obviously you're like, this so it was, was right. fun. Yeah. So I started getting bigger and bigger pieces, and then I was like, all right, like let me start doing some shit that would be really fun. Um, so I don't know if you guys know Rocky, the movie Rocky, but pretty infamous uh, cultural icon here in Philly. So I lived across the street at the time, and I was, like, kind of annoyed. People be – there's a statue at the bottom of the art museum steps, and mm -hmm. uh, I, like, just people will be, like, lined up for so long. The line would be for so long to take their picture with Rocky, but, like, not the same enthusiasm to go into the art museum. Um, so I just kind of took it upon myself. Well, I was approached – they are like, hey, we're really into yarn bombing, um, and we want to do an article for the New York Times. And I was like, whoa. Tight. I so got the a project New York idea. Yeah, so the New York Times. New York Times. Yes. Damn, I was that's in it. fire. That's huge. Um, for that piece, I came and I just like stood in line with everybody else, a little ladder. Like I knit this. I knit this sweater probably in like two days. I went and I measured it. I went home and I knit the sweater and I just went with a little ladder and I waited in line. I waited my turn. Just patiently, huh? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, oh and then it was God, so funny. Like so it took a, it took a while to install it. So what are people doing while you're doing this? Yeah, they're just like waiting this, in line for the picture because that's no, all they care she, about. They huh? didn't want to wait. <laughs> she was like, "No, I'm not waiting for this." So she went and got her picture like while I'm sewing it on. Do you have that statue. picture? So no know. one's no one's talking I mean, shit. No one's like, "What are you doing, Rocky?" Like <laughs> no. And then like a bunch <laughs> so of like tough. young guys. I don't know where they're from, but they were probably waiting really patiently. And they had to get a picture with like Rocky with a hot pink sweater on That's it. They're like, so eh, I don't know if I can raise my fist. What time? Like, what? Nobody said anything. They're just like, whatever. We're just gonna let her. No, and I learned later that they do like tend to put stuff on him, like sporting events. They'll put like a jersey on him or whatever. It lasted Eagles, a whole day. Did they day. put an Eagles jersey on when you guys won the Super Bowl this year? No, no they stopped doing it because it's like you know, now you can't touch it. Oh. But um, back then. Should have put a cone on him. Same thing with uh, William Penn on our city hall. He used to put jerseys on him, but they don't do that anymore. Um, so it lasted a whole day. I can't believe it. What? Yeah, a whole day. That's a hot pink wait, wait, how long ago was this? 2011, 2010. Damn, yeah. that's surprising. Yeah. So that was exciting. That was fun. And so I just like kept yarn bombing. What was the uh, most recent project you've done, and what was the inspiration behind that? So I've been doing a lot more. So, okay, back then when I started doing making, like, street art, I really wanted to, like, almost do a mockingly feminine, you know, it's, like, kind of a masculine medium, like, field. Um, so I just wanted to be, like, a female out there and just be, like, not necessarily do what the other guys are doing, but do something that a woman would do and do it and like using hot pink, like just to be like, this is really obviously a woman did this and almost like mockingly so. Um, and so that was like the big point of it back then. And like conceptually, I wasn't necessarily think thinking about it too hard. I was just yarn bombing. Like, you know, it was more like, uh, 
quantity than quality at that point, mm-hmm. I think. And then eventually things kind of shifted where it's like, oh, like I have this platform now. Like people like this. People are paying attention to this. Like why don't I really start to like develop concepts? Yeah. And or and just like pay attention to what I'm doing and just like you know um, try and make some work that I think could have an impact. So uh, a lot of my work now has a lot of overt feminist context and text and themes um so that's pretty much it now yeah so lately i've been doing quotes from daenerys targaryen from game of thrones so that. yeah of course um, but she has some badass quotes yeah, like really sick. really sick so um the queen of dragons yeah yes. <laughs> i watched the show yeah <laughs> yeah so uh been doing some quotes from that um but now you know now we have like time's up and me too i feel like it's really important for women to collaborate on those types of work so yeah. i'm not necessarily like branching off and trying to do my own shit like i want to um be cohesive in that way so that's probably my next piece is having some stuff like that are you i mean we kind of again briefly spoke before you're not technically vandalizing o- yeah. objects so like are have you gotten arrested for this like no, and I use it to my advantage. Um, so no one, no cops have ever questioned me. But you also have to understand that I'm a woman. I'm doing knitting. You know, like there's way different connotations to the work that I'm doing. Like uh, whether that's good or bad. I mean, um, use it to your advantage. It's like you're like I can use it to yeah. my advantage. But on the flip side, it's like who you know you're just doing like a silly craft project and like who fucking cares? So um, it definitely has that. Um, people have that reaction. But, but the message behind it, it is extremely powerful. Yeah, it got there. It yeah. took a little while, but it got there. Um, so I have not ever really gotten in any trouble. Um, and technically, yeah, I'm not defacing any property. But I started using glue, so I am now defacing Let's property. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so I just have to like be really particular about where I do, s- do stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I know we were talking a little bit earlier, like just – talking about living in different areas like philly has been it's been really great for me to put up work i don't really get a lot of negative um feedback in terms of the installation like people are like oh that's cool like you're putting that up um but i did live in the bay area i lived in oakland for a little while and um you know i got a lot of quet like people came up to me all the time questioning me like what was i doing why was i doing that did i have a permit did i have permission for this so that was like way different like in philly you just like walk up to something and do something and nobody's paying attention nobody cares and you go and you leave um and then i was living in new orleans for a little bit and same thing like nobody really cared about Mm. like putting up the work um so it was really interesting in california yeah Uh, you haven't ran into any like weird scenarios like while you're doing your work um, I'm trying to remember because it's been like a long time. I've kind of figured out how to avoid people generally when I'm like installing the work. Like I figured out good times. Um, when you obviously like scope out your. So your I thing. did the Rocky statue again because this French <laughs> TV <laughs> show <laughs> called Streetosphere had come to Philly and they really wanted to do that. Like people in France apparently love Rocky. And they're like, you I need to do the rocket. I was like, I'm not doing it again. They're like, you need to do it again. So I was like, fuck it. So I made him a tourist. I made like a fanny pack, like a <laughs> camera. So tight. Yeah. So I was like, well, you're a friend, you know, French. So you'll get it. <laughs> you like mocked, you mocked everybody. You, like you flipped it on their head. That's no, I mean, that's what Amer- I imagine that's what Americans look like to French people. So yeah, that's my for thing. Sure. So um, when I did that, this woman was like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cute. Okay, take it off. I'm trying to get my picture taken. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't do that. 
I didn't put that on there. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't like, she, she didn't come up with what I was installing. But then she called the cops. And, like, the cops came. And so I moved at this point. I was, like, walk, uh, watching from afar. Um, and the cops came. And they were, like, didn't know. what They were, like, really confused. Because it's not illegal. Like, I mean. They were just, like, what the fuck am I supposed <laughs> to do? Like, <laughs> this is some weird knitting <laughs> on this statue. So I I don't know. I think they went and, like, got a pocket knife and, like, Yo, that's this perfect balance of, like, what the fuck is going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful balance of yeah. that. Yeah. That's yeah, it. so I think that was pretty, pretty much it. Um, but except, except just in Oakland, really being like, "Do you have a permit for that?" I'm like, "It's an abandoned payphone. Do I have a permit for this?" Mm. Like, what do you mean? That's this tight. shit don't even work. Yeah. <laughs> or um, what's that Union Square in San Francisco? I mm-hmm. covered one of those big hearts. All the hearts. Yeah. So that was I had to do that like four times. I kept getting run off. So I think I went at like five thirty in the morning. By um, security or just by random people? Yeah. The I guess they have like. Park Rangers, uh, official. They're very official, um, but I think we like just <coughs> finished the last stitch and got a picture, and they were like, "I'm coming for you," and I was like, "No, you're not." So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you? That's tight. Are you thinking of other ways to apply your work faster? So I use a knitting. Oh, like apply it in the street faster. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about this. Is I'm just thinking you about it like being efficient, like getting in and out type thing. You right? have to think about it like I ma- like think about it, and this is a lot of the feedback that I get that it's like think about hanging a blanket on a wall, like it's not that easy. Yeah, you really need to figure out how to <laughs> adhere it so it doesn't fall down, and if it rains and gets wet, it's gonna droop. So there's like a lot of factors that go into it. So you really need to think about the installation, and it really does take. A and long also time. how it looks. You don't. You're not just gonna tape shit up. So not only how it looks at that point, but how it's going to look a week Tomorrow, from now, yeah. like after one rainstorm or like when it's windy or like, you know, something yeah. where it could fall down. So there's a lot that goes into um, that part of it, not just like the designer piece. Yeah. Dope. Interesting. Yeah. That was tight. That was really <laughs> tight. <Yeah. laughs> I want to go crochet some shit. For sure. Yeah. I'll give you <laughs> tips. Um, well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, great meeting you. Thank you, everybody that came. Yeah, appreciate it. Episode nine wants worldwide. Peace.